we're back. This is The Originals. I'm Joe Campo. We've been on hiatus for a little bit, but we're, uh, we're back at it again. I'm glad to be so. Uh, the Originals is a podcast sponsored by Christ Lutheran Church, and it's an opportunity to sit down and, and talk with some people who uh, write music, write stories, who are interesting stuff to talk about. And I have a guest with me today. His name is Michael Piccarella. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Michael's a member of the church, uh, and uh, he is a writer. Um, he writes for the Acorn, right? Which is, uh, is it a daily, a weekly? It's a weekly paper. They're, it's five newspapers. It's a, they're weekly papers in uh, Los Angeles and Ventura counties. So Calabasas, Segura Hills, Thousand Oaks, uh, Moore Park, Camarillo, Simi okay. Valley, all, all those right. areas. So. Okay. How long have you been doing that? Uh, well, I became a reporter for... At that time, it was just the Acorn in Agura Hills and a Thousand Oaks Acorn, and I became a reporter for them in 2000, and I worked, uh, I, I did feature stories, uh, I did like man on the street columns, uh, I did a traffic column, and I did that until 2006, and that was the year that I started my family humor column. Um, and then in 2006, I got a job uh, directing commercials. So I left the newspaper, but I continued my column because I enjoyed doing it so much. So, um, so yeah, so I've, st- I've been doing it since. So I guess my stuff's been in- appearing in those papers since 2000, and I still do it. I do uh, the column every other week. Okay. All so. right. Great. Well, let's step back and introduce you a little bit. All right. Okay. Uh, Michael, tell us about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Uh, are you married? Do you have 12 kids? <laughs> I mean, you know, fill us in a little bit. Um, so I was I was born in the San Fernando Valley um, in Canoga Park. At four years old, I moved to uh, Newbury Park, and that's, I grew up most, my childhood was there. Um, and I'm Italian-American, so I grew up in a very Catholic family. Uh, my grandparents were extremely Catholic, so, you know, the First Communion, white suit and all that. <laughs> um, and then in seventh grade, which would be 1988, around there, I moved to Northern California. My uh, parents had divorced um, before that, and my mom remarried, and uh, my stepdad was in radio, so then we moved a lot um, from that point on because uh, radio stations change hands a lot. So uh, we moved to the Bay Area, which is how I became a Warriors fan. <laughs> and, um, and so from 13 years old to when I finished film school in San Francisco, I was there. And then I moved down here to work in the film business. So, Okay. And family? Family. So um, I met my wife. Um, kind of accidentally. Ah. Sometimes these things happen. Um, I was working at Costco, which was my high school job, and uh, it was a Sunday night. I was I was getting off work, and one of the demo ladies asked if I could help her with the washing machine. She was moving an old one out, bringing a new one in, and I really did not want to do that because yeah. I had to go home and study, and I took the bus from Sonoma County, which is about... Uh, an hour and a half north of San Francisco, from Sonoma County to San Francisco. I did this every day, every weekday. And I worked the weekends at Costco. Um, so I went. I had to go home, do my homework, 
um, and then go to sleep so I could get up early and take the bus in. <clears throat> but I decided to help this demo lady because she had no one else to help her. Um, so I went out to her place, which was like a half hour from my house, <laughs> helped her with this this washing machine, and her neighbor was my soon-to-be wife, who oh. she introduced us to. And so it's like you help someone out, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it, And you get rewarded with a wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she was actually from down here as well, and she was going to school in Sonoma State, which is where I lived, and um, so... It was easy to move back down here because her family was already down here. So uh, when I decided to move down um, to pursue my career goals, she came with me. And then we got married down here. Um, we lived in the valley for a little bit. Um, tried to find a house in that area. Way too expensive. Like we couldn't even afford stuff we didn't want. Um, and so we... Uh, ended up moving out here. Someone had told us about this area, and we thought, wow, that's a long way to go, Santa Clarita. But it wasn't that bad, and when we drove out here, it wasn't too bad. So we moved out here in 2002 in Valencia, and in 2003, our son was born, and he was kind of a miracle. Um, you know, we tried a long time to, mm. to have him, and so we were lucky to get him. And... Um, then like a year or two after that, we tried for another, and then that didn't work. So we just decided maybe we're just meant to have one. Okay. So he is 13 years old now. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's yeah, fantastic. that's us in a nutshell. All right. <laughs> Great. Great. So you went to film school. Yes. But you're uh, and you're writing a column. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what draws you to? stories to film to to writing stories um i think <clears throat> excuse me i think uh, even when i was a kid i i was very much a daydreamer and um i i enjoyed like coming up with these ideas like i would enjoy playing things um whether it was like I liked monsters a lot, so I would imagine these scenarios, like my own little monster movies. Um, and I had like these monster dolls that I would in, imagine stories with. Um, and I, I think I was always very uncomfortable in my own shoes. I always, I always felt like I was never good enough to whatever standards I've created for myself. So like even... Um, when my brother and I, my younger brother and I were younger, um, we imagined a, an entire football and basketball league. Like we came up with divisions and players and teams and all this, probably because I wasn't very athletic. Okay. <laughs> so this was a, my way of being a superstar. <laughs> yes, I, so I think I've always enjoyed that kind of make-believe. And in film school, I, I really f- felt that coming to life um, writing my own screenplays because you write a slug line which is a location that I can choose wherever you know any great place I've ever wanted to visit I can put that down and I can put myself in there and anything can happen the way I want it to happen so I think that idea I've always been attracted to and then as as I've uh, become more of a writer that it's been something I can kind of get lost in and explore ideas. I think right now what really attracts me to it is asking questions um, because I have a lot of questions about life, um, you know, where I'm going and why things are the way they are. And so I I try to explore that by writing it down. 
mm-hmm. um, and see if I can make anything of it. So um, between the, the make-believe and trying to figure out why we're here and why things are the way they are, I think that's what attracts me to it. You seem, excuse me, you seem to, uh, uh, to be drawn, at least in your column, um, less towards the make-believe and, and more towards the, your columns come out of real-life situations. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the make, the make, like my, I always call my stories truthful, not factual, yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the stuff, there is, there's definitely an element of make-believe where <laughs> I, well, it'd be much better if this if, could have happened. If it to happened me. this way, so <laughs> now it will. Yeah, <laughs> so now it will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there, that's still kind of there, but yeah, definitely, I, I I'm more drawn to that type of story. Like I I love movies like American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Wonderful Life it is one of my favorite movies of all time, and these are all movies dealing with um, you know the human emotion, emotional landscape, and so. Um, yeah, those things for sure I'm interested in. I read uh, I read a quote sometime one time from a uh, he's a Christian writer who uh, who who tells a lot of stories you know factual based stories and uh, somebody asked him one time did did that really happen and his response was. Well, if it didn't, it should have. <laughs> <laughs> which which I I've like always that. held on to. <clears throat> I like that. <laughs> okay, so um, um, you uh, so you you write your uh, um, write the stories for the for the column. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, what other kinds of things are you involved in uh, creatively? Well, um, like I said, I went to film school, and that's really what. I love movies, and uh, that's really what I want to do. Um, the way I fell into newspapers was um, I saw a movie called Almost Famous, which was about um, the director Cameron Crowe. He started out as a journalist for the Rolling Stone for Rolling Stone magazine, and um, and then he got into movies. So I saw that movie, and I thought, well, maybe this is an avenue because at that time I was um, being I was a PA on movies and not getting paid. And I was working at Costco part-time. That, that kind of helped me get down here. I was able to transfer from the Costco up north to down here. So that's how I survived. Um, and then I figured, well, I'll work part-time uh, at Costco and then full-time on movies. So I worked the night shift at Costco. I, I think I, I, if I remember correctly, I, I worked at 2 a.m. And then I would get off at like 8 or 9 or something like that and then I would work on movies throughout the day and I'd go to sleep at 11 <laughs> to go back and work on. So it was it was a very grueling life and I just felt like nothing's happening. So let me try something else. Um and that's when I saw Almost Famous and got into the newspaper business. But in the meantime, I made two movies while I was a reporter. I mean, I did this on weekends or because because of the way the newspaper business worked for for us. I worked at home, um, so I would. I had. To, I was responsible for eight to ten stories a week. So sometimes I would get all those stories done by Wednesday, and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would make movies. So I made two feature films. One of them, <coughs> excuse me, one of them, uh, a producer friend and I um, funded ourselves. Um, it was super low budget movie, and then the second movie we actually got investors for. Um, those movies went nowhere. <laughs> um, they were good learning experiences, but they didn't do what we thought they would do. Um, 
<clears throat> so then I tried doing um, whatever else I could do to get into the movie business. I um, wrote and directed commercials for a uh, marketing company to see if maybe that would be a calling card of some sort. I um, continued writing screenplays, um, and nothing happened with that. You know, at, that uh, around I think it was 2007, the economy was kind of on right. going downhill. And um, I just stopped getting a paycheck, so uh, I had to do something. So a friend of mine, a friend of the family's, uh, was working in the movie industry. Um, she was working on Fast and the Furious 4 in the locations department, and she said, uh, I can get you a job, you know, because I, I just had to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything. So so then I worked in the locations department on Fast and Furious, and I worked on, uh, like, Get Him to the Greek. I worked on the Drake and Josh. Um and then eventually I started working on Hallmark movies as a production coordinator and a script coordinator. Um, I even worked as a camera assistant on uh, uh, an NBC miniseries. Um, so I kind of was like all over the place, just trying to work and trying to do something in the industry so I can you know, work my way up. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I was on the Hallmark movies, um, the, the gaps in between movies was just getting bigger and bigger. And then they started cutting the show length down. So then, um, I think we were doing 24 days shoots and they went down to 20 and then went down from that. And then the breaks are getting bigger and it's like, now I'm using credit cards mm-hmm. to live. So that's not good. So I had to do something. Um, so it was, okay, how am I going to make movies? Because that's what I want to do. And every avenue that I went down, I just could not, it just was not working. Um, so at a certain point, uh, my wife and I were talking and we're like, well, okay, so at a certain point I have to say, how am I going to make money? It's not yeah. going to be, how am I going to make movies? Yeah. So um, I, I did have this one thing on my resume that that worked in the practical world, and that was Costco. I worked there for eight years. Um, so at a certain point, I said, well, I have to just put my resume in because there's nothing else. So in 2010, I applied for Co- Costco's all over. And um, and the one in Simi Valley took my resume and said, yeah, come on in. So um, I, became, I was a seasonal employee there. Um, and then out of like 32 employees, I was one of four that they kept. And then uh, I kind of worked my way up. And it's, I've been there since. I'm still there. Excellent. I still do writing and I've edited books and um, edited little viral projects and done marketing things. But, uh, and I still am trying to do other movie projects or try and get my foot in that door um, or, 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 um, try and use the contacts I have to, to do things in. Do you, do you, did, did, has that felt like a defeat? Yes. And, and a defeat in many ways, defeat in, I'm not getting, I like, I felt like I was working my way up and then I had to turn back and go, Mm where I came from, you know, and I have nothing against Costco. Costco has been great, but I feel like I hate it because I had to go back to it. And it's, and it's a career for many people, but I feel like it's not what I'm supposed to do. And this is me. I have these ideas of what's supposed to be. 
and I get extremely bitter, very angry, you know, especially if I don't get something that I worked real hard for, then I get very angry. And that's such a spoiled mentality. I totally understand that. Um, but I worked like, I worked really hard yeah. and not slept and jeopardized yeah. things to, to try and do something and it didn't work. Um, and all I can do is keep trying and try and figure it out. And so, yeah. I don't know. Have you, do, do you feel like you have, I'm looking for the right word. Uh, a, do you feel like you've adjusted your expectations at all? Or do you, um, how do you deal with the, the I got to go to Costco today when I'd rather be doing this? I feel like I'm called to do this and yet I'm stuck doing that. Um, I, I always try and find like the meaning, like, okay, so just going back to this, how I met my wife, um, I did not want to move that washing machine. I, I was really tired, had to get up early. Looking back, I can say, well, the reason that happened mm-hmm. is because I met my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I tried to always look at everything like that. Maybe there's a reason I'm supposed to be here. Um, the way I got my book published was I was working at Costco and a publisher who I had known from another, uh, from, another from working with um, in something else on saw me there and said, hey, um, we're, we're looking to publish um, something like your, your column because he had read my column. That wouldn't have happened if I wasn't working at Costco. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try and look at things like that. Um, you know, working with people, um, what I'm most, like I said, what I'm most interested in is people. Um, like if you look at the Frank Capra movies, um, like It's a Wonderful Life or Mr. Deeds Goes to Town or Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, all those movies, they're about people. They're about relationships with people. And I'm very interested in that. So I, I think, well, maybe I'm at Costco because I deal with people. and I'm not stuck in a cubicle or, um, you know, on a movie set. Uh, where it's a, it's a very specific people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. work on that movie on on a movie set. Um, this is the general public, and it's all kinds of different people that come into Costco that I that I deal with on a daily basis. So I think, well, maybe that's the reason I'm there to get well, material. I, I was just going to say, I would I would I would think that 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 in Costco versus a movie set, you're going to run across a lot more potential stories, potential characters, mm-hmm. you know, material, like you say. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of a selfish way of looking at it for me. Because you know, I'd look at that and say, well, geez, it shouldn't just be about what I can get out of it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's it's what I can give back as well. Sure. Um, and, and in the position that I'm in as a supervisor, I try and, you know, treat people the way I want to be treating it, treated. And you, and you try and create a culture where people are just good to each other mm-hmm. and um, so I look at it from a life perspective as well, not just I, I try not to to make it just about my career. Yeah, what can I what can I get out of this? Yeah. 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 Although although as as a writer you also I would think that you would see yourself as an observer yes, of yes. human behavior. Yeah, I, I think uh, I was reading this thing, Neil Simon, wrote, the playwright Neil Simon, where he's talking about how he's an observer in his own life and he, how he was arguing with his wife about something and and she threw like, they were making dinner and she threw like a frozen pork chop at him. And so he like couldn't help but laugh 
even though it was like a heated argument, mm-hmm. he couldn't help but step back and see this woman throw a fro- their, their frozen dinner at him. Um, and that happens to me all the time. Like sometimes uh, my wife and I can be talking about something very serious or even with our son, and something just makes me laugh. I carry a notepad with me all the time and have to write down things because I can't help but step back and, and see these things. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's quite the, there's definitely, uh, a little war going on in my head on, I should be trying for a career or about, I shouldn't be that selfish. Uh, you know, this should be very serious, but it is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, your columns illustrate your, your observation and kind of what we're, we've been talking about in terms of, uh, of, uh, trying to figure out what's going on in life and uh, reflecting on that and observing uh, behavior around you and your own behavior. And I asked if you would uh, bring one with you and read it for us. Um, so I'm just going to be quiet now and, uh, and ask you if you'll just go ahead and read uh, one of your columns. And this, is, this uh, appeared in the Acorn? This is the Acorn, yeah. Okay. And I can't remember. I think this was last, a column from last year, I believe. Okay. All right. Well, let's listen. Okay, so hopefully this is all right. Um, I think I could probably mess up a Mark Twain. (laughs) Sure. Um, Okay, so here we go. So this um, was called, I think I I can't remember what the title with this was, if I called it Why? Why Me or something like that? I can't remember what the title was. Okay. Um, Okay, so here we go. Bad things happen to me and I ask Why? The other night, my wife and I took our 11-year-old son and his friend to dinner, and two total strangers sitting across the way paid our bill. They told us we were a lovely young family. God bless you, the guy with our tab said. I asked why. Whether good things or bad things happen to me, I'm always asking why. Why? Why can't I accept things as they are and not question the reason or meaning of it all? It's not easy crafting these why sandwiches, and they're by no, uh, by, and they're by no means your typical bologna and cheese. Rather, I make a mean Dagwood. Look at my thirtieth year alive. Doctors discovered that my perfectly good heart had a problem, and they said I had to get a pacemaker. I asked why, and added all the fixings to my concern. Around the same time, I wrote and directed a fairly mediocre viral ad campaign that got inducted into the Viral Hall of Fame. And again, I asked, why? And followed that up with, that silly old thing I made? I simply cannot believe that I deserve the worst or the best, so I couldn't wrap my head around two businessmen I never met paying for my meal. What are they after, I asked my wife. You think they're going to pitch us aluminum siding or try to include us in some pyramid scheme? It can't be for mere kindness. Or maybe that that's all it is, my wife replied. Should we buy them drinks, I asked. No, she said. We should just accept the gesture. How do we accept the gesture? Do we ask how we help them? No, we say thank you. I never thought of that. My wife and I got up and took our son and his friend over to the two gentlemen, shook hands, and offered our gratitude. That was it. Then we walked out, never to see them again. Guilt, my companion for life. It didn't need to set in. It's always there. I kept asking myself, should we have done more? Should we have exchanged contact information so we could stay in touch? By accepting such a gift, are we saying we deserve and demand money to be thrown at our feet? My wife knows how guilt haunts me constantly, and she asked, 
Why can't you accept the gesture? You deserve it. Who says I can't accept the gesture, I asked. Okay, I can't accept the gesture. It's just not right. People don't do that kind of thing. Despite how it seems, I was more than grateful, believe me. Money's been tight, and my wife and I should have stayed home in, or should have stayed in for dinner that night. After a long day of work, however, neither my wife nor I wanted to cook. It was my suggestion to dine out. I can't help it. I love restaurants, especially the whole they do all the cooking and cleaning part of it. Luckily, my wife explained how going to the re- how going to restaurants is expensive and tried to reason with me. We'll order waters instead of soda, she suggested. That'll save us 20 bucks right there. Needless to say, we had no business inviting our son's friend to dinner with us, but he happened to be there when we impulsively decided not to eat at home. We enjoyed the night, and the food was delicious. I wasn't worthy. There's nothing you can do about it now, my wife said days later when I was still obsessing. There is something I can do about it, I said. I can pay it forward. The plan was to go out, find a lovely young family enjoying their meal, and pay their tab. Before all the wise could pile up, I just acted. We didn't even sit down to eat. I picked out a family from the foyer of the restaurant, and when the hostess asked how many, I pointed and asked for their bill. When the couple and their two sons came over to greet us, they said, How kind of you. Thank you so much. We can't accept. Then they paid for their food and walked out, never to see us again. I was hanging on their last words, and in tr- and true to form, I asked, why? All right. Thank you. You know, you, 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 I had asked for a couple of columns, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so that we, we could have you read one. Uh, I was particularly drawn to this one. Um, and, I, and I think the reason that I was is because kind of, uh, you know, from my perspective, kind of behind behind the whole the whole thing having to do with God and his forgiveness is the very thing you're talking about here you know I need to feel worthy okay mm-hmm. um, it's just a gift just accept it well I can't accept it because I haven't done anything to deserve it you know and and I saw that reflected all the way through here you know and, and you know um, because because my job is similar to yours you know Observing people, you know, writing not columns but sermons, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but then making that one more step to okay, now where is God in the middle of this? Okay, um, your question was why. My question is always where is God in the middle of this? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and God was in the middle, whether you realize it or Absol- not. Oh, God absolutely. was in the middle of this of this story. You know, because He's reminding us His grace is and for His forgiveness is is a free gift, you know, that comes out of the blue and our only job is to accept it and we get all tied up in knots because it's like, yeah, but what did I do to deserve it? Mm-hmm. You know, what did I do to earn it? Uh, you, you even, you had a sermon, I, this is a couple of years ago, where it was very much this. I think uh-huh. it was around Christmas time where you were talking about someone giving you a gift and you felt you had to give something back yeah. and then you said that, Maybe you're just going to say thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly something I grapple with. Yeah. Like, well, I think we all do. I think <laughs> my mom do. definitely, like, she, my mom will write a thank you letter for a thank you letter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. 
Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think also in the the world we live in, you know, so many people are, are trying to get something, and so you, it's such a horrible thing to yeah. to feel. You know, yeah. like I don't I don't want to believe that they're after something. Like I want to believe that it's it's like a Frank Capra world where people right. do nice things for. Right. But that isn't always our but experience. It, it isn't. Yeah, yeah, there's there's so many times where that has bitten me. You know, where I mm-hmm. wanna I wanna believe the good, and then it, it comes back and gets me, and you think, ah, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna believe that. Uh, uh, so yeah. yeah. How does how does your wife and uh, and son feel about being in your column? Uh I think they're fine with it. Uh, um, <laughs> and if they're not, too bad. Just, I think they just go along with it. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I feel like I, I always make me the bad guy. Yeah. I, th- I usually am anyway, yeah. I think, anyway. So they come out good in the end anyway. Yeah. I, I, I don't think my son's at an age yet where he's annoyed. He probably should be. He's 13, uh, but he hasn't read one in a while. Okay. A few years ago, um, he did read a few, and he I think he was excited about it mm-hmm. if he read them now or if he read all of them i don't know how he would feel <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you uh uh you received not too long ago an award for your columns yes. is that right tell yes. us about that um so i belong to the national society of newspaper columnists and uh, probably for i think since 2011 maybe no maybe before that um, and it's a columnist. It's a group of columnists. It's national. Um, and they do a yearly contest, a column contest. So I entered uh, a few columns um, in the humor category. Um, and, and I got, uh, and I was one of the five awarded an award. So, Congratulations. So, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, it was very exciting because um, yeah. I don't usually get many awards so it's always I, I definitely always question my work I always think I maybe the reason nothing's happened is because I just don't have talent so yeah. it's always nice to get something back like okay so maybe somebody recognized but it you want to know yeah. what though yeah. like they, I'll even recognize and say well maybe they were just being nice yeah. or something I always I always do that there, I don't know why that is there, there is there is that so, thing inside that says you know you want to think well I'm pretty good but then you feel then you, then you feel like overinflated, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and then you start going, well, maybe I'm not, I'm not as good as that guy. I'm not as good as that guy. Maybe. I, I mean, it's lucky to have my wife because she kind of yeah. she keeps me in lines because yeah. there's a there. Like I'll, I, if I'm really angry about some, like not mm-hmm. getting a movie job, like, yeah. I suck. You know, my, a lot of my friends I went to film school with, you know, they're doing big movies mm-hmm. and they're doing big things, and then I'm here. I am at Costco. So that that at times that can make me very angry. I say, and and I, my wife knows it, and she'll say, "Well, you you write a column." There are a lot of people you went to film school with that who aren't doing anything creative mm-hmm. at all. Um, so you know, there's I just have to put stuff in perspective. But yeah. I just have to, I have to, I realize my cycle. Is, you know, I definitely have peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think I'll, I don't know if I'll ever learn from it. Maybe one day. Um, I just know that. There are times where I feel like this is the answer. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, um, and I feel okay about that. And then the next day, I'm angry again. So um, it's just that cycle. I just have to, you know, as long as I can get out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been stuck in that in a rut for too long, yeah. luckily. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and you mentioned uh, a book that you had published. What's the name of the book? And where um, can people get it? 
uh, the book that I edited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I know edited. that you that you published. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. That's yeah, okay. okay, yeah. So that um, it's called Everything Ever After: mm-hmm. Confessions of a Family Man. Um, and you can um, pretty much you can get it anywhere you can get books. So Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon. You can, okay. There's an ebook version of mm-hmm. it. Um, if you go to my website, you can find all the links to it there, which is just michaelpicarella.com. Okay. Um, so, and it's it's a, what it is is it's a collection of stories from my column, mm-hmm. um, which was in, in the Acorn. But then I also wrote for the Signal for a couple of years, and it was a very similar column. Um, called the Picarella Family Report, and so it's got some of the stories from that column as well in okay. there. Um, so yeah, and then, yeah, and it, it's kind of my everything that we're talking about is what these columns are all about. Um, and the publisher actually called it Everything Ever After because it's, I think, in my stories and in my journey, it's finding what is actually everything ever after, which are a lot of times just those little things. Like in, in my search for these big things, it lit, these little things come out of it that maybe are more important than the big things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I've been or hypothesizing. Okay. Okay. All right. And a lot of times the big things are hidden in the little things. Yes, like as your your book, I think says it really well. Um, so I resonated with a lot of what you were saying there. So uh, int- you, I think we have to do that because I don't think anyone gets exactly what they want in their life. I mean, I'm, I would probably guarantee that even that. even those even those that we think from afar yeah. have everything that they wanted in yeah. life don't have everything they wanted in life. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, I've, I, I, I'm sit, I, maybe I sound like a downer, like I'm complaining, but I mean, mm-hmm. I really have, I really have, I'm very fortunate in my life. And we live in a great area, yeah. a great wife. We've been married 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a great kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I had heart trouble. I, I could, I almost died. Like my heart was stopping. Mm-hmm. And um, this has been happening. I was blacking out since I was 12 years old. And every doctor that saw me black out thought I was fainting, like fainting, mm-hmm. like squeamish. Um, and a doctor um, said, no, it's not right, and decided to pursue testing. And I did all these tests, and everything was coming back. I was fine. And mm-hmm. this doctor just kept pushing it. At a certain point, I was like, God, how many tests does she want me to do? I mean, I did a lot, mm-hmm. brain tests, heart tests, blood tests. Um, and she just kept doing more tests. And until she found something, and I had to get a pacemaker. And who knows if I would have been, that was 10 years ago. Um, my, my blackouts were getting more frequent. Um, and who knows what would, I could have been, I could have had a heart attack at an mm-hmm. early age. And everyone would have said, oh, how, he seemed totally healthy. Yeah. So like that, how fortunate is that? That yeah. some doctor just decided to, to test a little further. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, I know I appreciate your honesty because I think you know I think there are a lot of us, maybe all of us, you know, who who struggle with, you know, what am I doing? Why have things worked out this way? It's not what I had envisioned. It's not what I had planned. Um, and I think we look around and we see other people's lives and we think they've got it going on, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and I must be the only one, you know, and. Uh, you know, and uh, it's. I think it is encouraging when someone is willing to be able to say, you know, I, 
I don't have it all going on. You know, I'm, I'm still, I, I still struggle. I still feel this way. I still am frustrated, you know. Um, and I think that's the, that's the, the power of your writing is that you find a way to meld something that is lighthearted and fun um, with issues that are common that we all deal with, you know. You deal with, with real life in these, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's, that's a gift, and, 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 and uh, it's a gift to be able to do that because not everybody can, and it's a gift uh, for those of us who read them to be able to see ourselves in these, in these situations, right. you know. Yeah, and I think um, you know. I always, I think one of the things that draws me to church is hoping that you know God is looking down and He has a plan. Like I always want to think, oh, there's a plan. Mm. Um, but there are definitely times where I, I think of like the movie Forrest Gump, the feather, maybe, mm-hmm. or, and I hope that we're not just floating. Yeah, that we're just floating and wherever we go, you know, whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. So I certainly have that dilemma. That's why when I said uh, when I'm coming to do this, mm-hmm. uh, I'm certainly a work in progress. I don't think that, like, I didn't have, like, a time where things were bad. I, I found God, and, and now I'm good to go. Right. I feel like I'm, I'm still um, trying to figure things out. Um, so I don't feel like I'm there yet. I feel like I certainly have uh, demons and there's definitely an inner battle, um, and it's, you know. But again, I think that's the, that's the truth for all of us, you know, mm-hmm. whether we care to admit it or not or whether we're introspective enough to identify it. I think that's, that is the truth for all of us. None of us are there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us get there uh, this side of heaven, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, God is working within us. The Spirit is working within us all the time to to make us more and more like Christ. Um, and uh, with some of us, he's got a lot more work to do than others. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know he's been working. He's been working overtime on me, so, and he's got a long ways to go yet. So, <laughs> All right. Um, well, Michael, thanks for, uh, for stopping by today. It's been, a, it's been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed it. And, uh, and once again, uh, Michael Piccarella, um, he, uh, he publishes columns in the Acorn newspapers. Uh, he has a, a book available, uh, Everything Ever After, yep. uh, that you can access pretty much anywhere. Uh, and... Uh, uh, watch for his big blockbuster movie that will be coming out any day now, I'm sure. <laughs> well, or you can visit him at Costco. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate all, right. you, uh, all your thoughtful questions all right. and for having me. All right. You bet. You bet. Um, this has been The Originals, a podcast sponsored by Christ Lutheran Church. I'm Joe Campo. Thanks for uh, 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 listening and uh, spending time with us. Uh, We have uh, other uh, uh, back episodes available. You can find us on SoundCloud or on iTunes by searching CLC Originals. Um, This episode is produced by uh, Phil Highland. Uh, The music is written and performed by Steve Dole, Phil Highland, and Dave Barry. Dave Barry is our engineer. So thank you to them. I'm Joe Campbell. We'll uh, see you next time on The Originals. (laughs) 